Thank you for everyone attending tonight. Um, my name is Mayor Jason Gray. I will um, open for the invocation. Heavenly Father, we seek your, we ask your, for your guidance, guidance, wisdom, and support as we begin this meeting. But please help us with our intention to do good work. We seek to represent fairly and well for those who have given this task. Help us engage in meaningful discussion. Give us clarity and strength to only use our best abilities. All of us should have great compassion, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Please use this community and bless this community's residents, businesses, and visitors, and help us continue doing the good work in your name. Amen. Roll call, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Here. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember LaFleur. Here. Councilmember Brooks. Present. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Potem Bracken. Is he online tonight or just not here? Okay. Mayor Gray. Yes. All are present with the exception of Mayor Potem Bracken. Thank you. Please rise for Pledge of Allegiance. Again, I want to thank everyone for coming tonight. Um, you know, I, I, I hate uh, opening like this sometimes, but uh, I wanted to say it. I said it a lot lately. Um, just in the last couple of days, we've lost yet another teacher, another student at uh, our school district. Um, it happens way too much. Um, and it just, uh, it, it feels like it's every few days um, we hear something about like that ha happening. And so, Again, I, I ask um, and plead um, for kindness um, for our town to rally around people who need it because everyone needs it. Um, everyone needs being uh, kindness and kind words, latitude, grace, because um, everybody's hurting. And I, again, I, I can't stress enough that I don't know anybody who hasn't gone through something um, or is not, not still going through something that's really difficult. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, and also I, I um, just want to thank every, everyone coming again. And, and uh, I know we have a lot of good work to do tonight. And uh, I, know we'll be, I know we'll be respectful to each other. And I do appreciate that. With that, Ryan Hollinshead. Thanks, Mayor. No comment tonight. Councilmember Cavey. No comment tonight. Thanks, Mayor. Councilmember LaFleur. Uh, no comment tonight. Thanks, Mayor. <laughs> Councilmember Brooks. Uh, I just want to mention one last time uh, before next Wednesday, the meeting at the Parker Library to discuss as a public agenda item the naming of the Philip S. Miller Library here in town. There is a thought, if you have not yet heard, that the 
Board of Trustees for the uh, library, they have uh, complete control of this. Uh, they may not carry forward the Philip S. Miller name on the outside of the library. I find that to be particularly concerning given the uh, the money that to this day the library still receives. It's market driven, but uh, in the neighborhood of one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year uh, from the Philip S. Miller Charitable Trust. Um, the Philip S. Miller, the man, the family. Uh, has had left an undillable mark in Castle Rock, and I believe that that should be something that we continue to recognize. Uh, the agenda item, again, uh, will be at the Parker Library the 27th, that's a week from tomorrow, at 5.30. So please attend. Uh, the last piece of this, Mr. Mayor, if, uh, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to give some time back to you just uh, to discuss kind of the um, unscheduled versus the um, public hearing item kind of piece. I, I think maybe you might be able to summarize that best, if you, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. Um, thank you, Max. Um, a lot of people are here to uh, speak on item number 17, and some people have, um, a, there are some, some themselves scheduled under unscheduled pub, public comment. Um, so what I'll probably do is, if you're, un, if you're under unscheduled, I'll ask if you're for 17, and then we'll just we'll forego that public until that, so we'll get to agenda 17. Um, I think that'll make things go a little smoother. Um, if you have an unscheduled comment, public comment that's not related to 17 or anything else on the agenda, that's absolutely fine, of course. Um, but we're going to try to stick to the agenda. And also on, set, on the agenda items, you'll have four minutes rather than three minutes. So that's actually better for people who like to talk a little more. So, Max, thank you. Yes, sir. Council Member Dietz? No comment tonight. Thank you. Next, I have the proclamation honoring the Castle Rock Mental Health um, co-responders and crisis clinician. Uh, Jack will make his way up in a little bit. Um, hopefully, it won't take more than 30 or 40 minutes to read it. Um, proclamation 2023-10, proclamation honoring Castle Rock Mental Health co-responders crisis clinicians. Whereas the town of Castle Rock, along with the state of Colorado and the country as a whole, have continued to address issues of mental illness, substance abuse, because a large number of people are affected directly and indirectly by these conditions, which are often co-occurring, and whereas nearly one in five people in America will deal with mental illness in their lifetime, and whereas the opioid epidemic continues to rage across this nation with over 100,000 overdoses, deaths occurring annually, and whereas mental illness, substance addiction, co-occurring conditions often lead to homelessness, criminal charges, and arrests, as well as expensive and less eff effective jail housing, broken families, suicide, homicide, and community destruction, and whereas these many issues created mental, by mental illness, substance abuse, and addiction, and addiction our community problems, not just a problem for law enforcement and fire services and emergency, emergency medical services, and whereas many communities, towns, cities, counties, and the states have realized the need for additional resources to address these issues, specifically in individuals are experiencing crisis situations, and whereas many of the above entities, including the town, have identified evidence-based and effective program called co-response, and whereas such co-response is defined as pairing a crisis-trained mental health clinician with a first responder, such as a deputy sheriff, a police officer, a fire officer, or a paramedic, paramedic EMT, 
who respond as a team to intervene at varying levels of crisis with the goals of diverting individuals from emergency room visits, arrests, and jail if possible. The response team connects individuals with crisis and necessary effectiveness, resource such as counseling, access to medications, Medicaid assistance treatment for alcohol, drug addictions, access to housing, food, basic necessities, and more. And whereas the Castle Rock Police Department has a co-responder unit comprised specially selected CRPD officers and clinicians funded by Douglas County since 2017, a second team came online in 2023. And whereas the CRPD com community response teams have responded to thousands of emergencies and non-emergency calls for service, provided crisis intervention for conducted follow-up, composed hundreds of safety plans, helped countless people get connected with the resources they need for a healthy living, including access to mental health, treatment and counseling, and other community resources and services, and whereas CRPD and CRT personnel have shown exceptional excellence, dedication, and service to help those in need, reinforcing how vital their work is to the town of Castle Rock, and whereas there are other local law enforcement agencies, including Douglas County Sheriff's Office and Lone Tree and Parker Police Departments, have initiated co-responder programs within their jurisdictions and organizations, which has contributed to overall success of co-response programs within and around Douglas County. Now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Town of Castle Rock Council that the week of September 18th to the 24th of 2023 is Castle Rock Co-Responders and Crisis Clinicians Week. We extend our appreciation and gratitude to all those working in these roles in Castle Rock and beyond and recognize their significant contribution to ensure the best possible outcomes to these difficult situations. As Town Council, we are call called upon the Castle Rock residents and organizations to recognize honor and give thanks to these amazing professionals for their daily sacrifice and public services through the great work and assist those in need. Jack. Jack well, thank you, Mayor. We, we really appreciate the uh, council's support on this. It's such an, an important program. So first of all, thank you for that. I want to, uh, I want to recognize our co-responders that are here tonight. Uh, we have Officer O'Donnell and Officer Rabin with the Castle Rock Police Department. If you two will stand up, please. <laughs> Thank you. And then we also have uh, sheriff deputies here that are part of the co-responder program and a cl clinician from uh, Douglas County uh, as well. And it's, a, it's important to note that because what we have here in, in Douglas County and Castle Rock is extremely unique from what you see across the country. We know how important the co-responder uh, program is with a trained police officer or deputy that are coupled and partnered with a clinician. And when individuals have a, uh, a mental health crisis, then that team um, is dispatched out to take care of that. And the unique part for us is that if a if one of our co-responders here on Castle Rock is not available, then a co-responder team from the, from Douglas County or from Parker or from Lone Tree can come and handle that and vice versa. So that's what's extremely unique. We're able to collaborate and, and have teamwork between all of us and we're interchangeable. And that's proven to be very, very valuable. Um, what it does is this the whole program benefits the community it benefits the police officers and the deputies who go out and handle these calls. And finally, 
it benefits the individuals that are having a mental health crisis. And I think that we, we can be very proud um, as, a, as, as a town and as a county that we are fortunate enough to have these resources to pull together to help people that are having a mental health crisis and their families. I've personally been on, on some of the calls with them and it's, it's pretty amazing to see the work that they do. So thank you for, for your support. Thank you all for what you do. And um, I, I just, I just couldn't say any more about it. I, I'm just so proud of you. So thank you very much. So I'm going to go ahead and read in the unscheduled public appearances notice. Mayor, David. Um, we've worked out our technological issues, and Mayor Pro Tem Bracken is now able to join us from. Oh, the, great. I didn't know if you want to ask him for any council comments. Yep. Um, before we go on, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Bracken, do you have council comments? Mayor, if you can hear me, no comments. Um, I'm, I apologize for my tardiness. I'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. Okay, again, I wanted to remind people that. Um, there might be some little bit of confusion on whether you're unscheduled or 17. If you're here to talk about the ordinance, that's 17. If you're here to talk about something else that's not on the agenda, that would be unscheduled. So the time is now reserved for members of the public to, to make a presentation to council on items or issues to the, um, that are not scheduled on the agenda. As a general practice, the council will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the council make the decisions on these items presented during this time. Rather, they will refer, refer these items to staff for follow-up. Comments limited to three minutes per speaker. Time is limited to 30 minutes total. Residents will be given the priority in the order they signed up, followed by non-residents representing the Castle Rock businesses, then non-residents and then businesses outside of town of Castle Rock as time permits. Council is also accepting public comments submitted written online at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included in public record. I do have people signed up to speak. Um, when I call your name, please uh, let me know if you'd rather speak at this number 17 uh, on the agenda item or on a different agenda item or on unscheduled public comment. Um, the first one I have on unscheduled comment is uh, Brooke Bernstein. Is that regarding 17 or unscheduled? Unscheduled? Okay, go ahead then, Brooke. There we go. Hi. Um, I have my Be Kind shirt on today. So in, in line with everybody, not, not planned ahead for, with, with the mayor. Um, I know there was conversations at the last meeting and there's been a whole lot of, of commentary going on leading up to Pride Fest and I know everybody wants to put that behind them. Um, the issue is there are those of us who are there that can't put it behind us. It was very impactful. Um, the actions taken by council members, certain council members and members of the community ahead of time and during that event or what they knew or didn't know prior to the event and things happening is very upsetting. Um, I've issued some challenges at the last meeting regarding acknowledgement by council members um, publicly to admit that they were wrong, two of the council members admit that they were wrong and admit that Pride Fest went on well, that there was a G-rated drag show, and admit that publicly. I asked them to 
potentially even congratulate and thank the Castle Rock Pride, the, the, the Castle Rock Pride Board for putting together a lovely family event. I've not seen anything on that front. I asked if they could acknowledge that Jimmy Graham and the Abel Shepherd protest was in fact harmful to both children and adults. It was harmful to me. It was harmful to other people. I can tell you that we've met and discussed the harm that it was done. Aggression does not need to be physical to be harmful. Aggression doesn't need to be verbal to be intimidating. Emotional abuse is abuse. Physically standing over and around people, not moving when requested for 30 to 40 minutes, blocking egress for people, some of whom were disabled, was aggressive and it was emotionally abusive. I think if the roles were reversed and there was some kind of religious, some sort of event with a religious and political ideology that people supported and a bunch of queer people showed up and did what was done, they would have been removed from the event. I don't understand why nobody is expressing anger about this when they expressed so much anger prior to this, this happening in anticipation of something that never happened. Um, unless I've missed it, I've not seen any public condemnation that members of the Patriot Front, the Rocky Mountain Active Club, and the Proud Boys were protesting outside harassing attendees, including children. I just don't understand why there was all of this animosity ahead of time and so much aggressive nastiness against Castle Rock Pride and against Pride Fest and nobody is responding to acknowledge that, that bad things happen. Thank you, Brooke. Um, under underscore comments, I have Marie Brom. Is that for 17 or for, um, okay, thank you. It's my first time here, so bear with me. Um, Mr. Mayor, well, I better keep my glasses on. Sure. I'm here. Thank you. I'm here uh, representing the Homeowners Association for Fairway Vistas. Uh, we, okay, let me try one more time. I'm here representing, there we go. I'm here representing the Fairway Vistas Homeowners Association. We uh, neighbor the um, new park that is scheduled at uh, near Plum Creek uh, Golf Course. And we've been, uh, we're, we have a concern and we have consulted our, our lawyer because in order to make sure that we are within our uh, rights to ask for this from the, from the uh, uh, council. We're hoping that because our park or your park our park, uh, neighbors, our backyards of many of the homes in our neighborhood, uh, that you would consider putting up a fence to separate because at this point in time, there is no barrier between a public park. There, there would be, because the park isn't open yet, there would be no barrier between that public park and 
our homes, our backyards. Um, I'd like to read the, the letter that uh, Orton Kavanaugh Homes and Hunt is our legal counsel. The association has requested that we contact your office directly regarding the town's plans for the construction of Plum Creek North Park to be located off Emerald at the former Plum Creek uh, pool site. The park will abut the association's common area and several owners' lots on the park's east side, and there are concerns for that future park patrons may directly access the community property if no fence is installed. As you may know, the pool formerly consisted of fenced private property that required an active membership to access, so it wasn't public. The new park is now public property, which will attract a wider variety of users with multiple playground areas, sports, courts, and other gathering areas of the town uh, listed on the town website. The plan demonstrates no fence to be erected Park users will have direct access to the community property, increasing the potential for trespassing and invasion of homeowner privacy. These concerns have been raised to Councilman Dietz at the groundbreaking ceremony for the park. Okay. Thank you, Marie. Sorry. You're good. I do have copies of the letter for each of you if you would like that. I think you can send it to us or hand to uh, to Shannon. Or David. Those are the ones we oh. received. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, I know that Anya and Jay wanted to talk to bit together. Do you guys want to do seventeen or unscheduled? Seventeen. Okay, thank you. Um, I have Mary uh, Wilson unscheduled or seventeen. Well, both, but this is something Okay, then thank you, Mary. Mary. Um, I really want to talk about something that I think the council should be more be focused on, and I know you guys were focused on this last year, um, but I would like to bring it up because it's kind of a pet project of mine, and it's regarding metro districts. And it's great that we have a lot of people behind us because I don't think they really caught on to what a metro district is and how it's affecting them personally. Um, at the December 20th meeting, town council, uh, town council meeting, Pete Manger, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Assistant Director of Finance of the town presented a summary of the 37 active metro districts in Castle Rock, which have a combined debt of $943 million as of 2021. Manger said the metro districts added another $58 million to their debt between 20 and 21. Of this debt, 48% of it is accrued interest. Those of you who live in the Meadows, you are responsible for $179 million in debt if you have a home there. Um, and it's increasing because your payments and your tax payments doesn't even cover the interest. So that interest just goes into growing the debt. So you might as well take that tax money that you're going to pay for your metro districts and burn it up because it's not going anywhere. Um, but now, so the question is, is um, how much do these metro districts collect in taxes? And they collect around $32 million in property taxes, and this is in Castle Rock, compared to the town collecting $1.4 million in property taxes. So it gives you an idea of where your tax money is going. 
Um, so we get into who regulates the metro districts. Nobody does. There's no government organization that truly regulates them. Who, regu who regulates the directors are legally qualified to serve on the metro district boards, all these boards? Nobody. There is nobody out there. Who regulates if the metro districts are compliant to Colorado's open meeting requests? Nobody. Who, who regulates whether these uh, directors are legally qualified to serve on metro boards? Nobody. Who regulates if metro districts are compliant to Colorado's open meeting law requests? Nobody. It just keeps on going. It's nobody, nobody, nobody. Because we do not follow what these, what's going on here because they are considered government entities. Yet if you were to look at your tax bill, and I'm looking at everybody here, take a moment and look at your tax bill. You could be, could be spending at least two to $3,000 of your taxes that are going to these metro districts. So um, again, I'm on the surface here. I'm just starting this project. I'd like to present later with more information uh, to all of you on um, ways we as a Castle Rock can in, and work with this and try to get this debt off the backs of our um, constituents. Thank you. Thank you, Mary. Next, I have signed up in uh, unscheduled public comments, uh, Mandy Mao. Sorry? 17. 17. Great, thank you. Casey Neal? Uh, 17. 17, thank you. Moving on now to the town manager's report. Mayor and Council, we've just got. Uh, right, David. Oh, sorry. Shannon's behind you. Unscheduled comments? Yes. Okay, go ahead, thank you. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, my name is Asari Nkansa. Um I am a resident of the Meadows, and I first just wanted to say how much I just really appreciate um, the work that you guys do. I know that that can't be a really easy job, um, but yeah, I just really appreciate it. And um, I'm also a landlord in the Meadows. Um, yeah, and I wanted to. Um, just say that uh, I think the construction projects that are happening around the city um, are just really helpful. Um, and I like that there's just a lot of things that are um, happening. And um, I think there's a general curiosity I have about um, how exactly the um, construction workers in each of these places, um, like exactly uh, yeah, where they are coming from, is there's just a lot of them. Um, so some things around that. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure if this is the, I guess, correct place to um, refer to this. Um, but I just wanted to say that I really just like all the construction that you guys are doing or all the projects that are going on. I think it's making the city very lively. Um, so I just really appreciate the job that you guys are doing. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anybody else online, Shannon? Thank you. David? Mayor and Council, just a, a brief report. This evening, Shannon's gonna fire up the PowerPoint. Um, we are um, in the middle of uh, open house season. So that is uh, proceeding. We look forward to those. We have council member Lafleur's uh, tomorrow and council member Dietz next week. And then you see the rest of the schedule as we move into October. Uh, one of the neat projects uh, that uh, we're accomplishing this year is the Front Range Trail uh, completion in the community, and we've got a ribbon cutting there scheduled on October the 14th. 
Then you see then the uh, other open houses, the uh, uh, ones for District 1 and 3 there at the Grange um, in, in the Meadows for Mayor Pro Tem Bracken and Councilmember Hollingshead, and then uh, Councilmember Cavey's there on October 30th. And then hopefully you have on your uh, calendar where we're gonna have an appreciation event at the Cantrell Building um, for our boards and commissions. And I th the next slide has just a, a couple of, of open houses um, the Crystal Valley shops there at uh, Plum Creek in, in Crystal Valley is having their rescheduled neighborhood meeting. The last one had some technical difficulties, so we're having another one on October the 10th. And then the, the Wellspring uh, proposal for the conversion of the La Quinta Inn is uh, having um, another uh, neighborhood meeting as well there on uh, October the 19th. I think that we've got just a few other. We've got one of our last concerts coming up at the uh, at the MAC, and then a number of other uh, events in the community. And uh, we've got a lot on the agenda, so I don't have anything else to say. But I'm happy to respond to any questions. Any questions for Dave or staff? Seeing none, uh, we'll go on to the town attorney's report. Town attorney's report? I don't know about that. After that impressive display of technology there, so I have no report tonight, Mayor. Thank you, Michael. Moving on to the acceptance of the agenda. The no changes, additions, or deletions to the agenda. A motion to accept the agenda as it presented will be accepted. So moved. Second. Uh, first by Max Brooks, a second by Councilmember LaFleur. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember, excuse me, Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken? Yes. Mayor Gray? Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Moving on to the consent calendar. These items are generally routine in nature and have been previously reviewed by town council and will be voted on a single motion without discussion. Any member of town council may remove an item from the consent calendar. Number six, order 2023-22, ordinance approving the third amendment to the 2023 fiscal year budget by making supplemental appropriations for the 2023 fiscal year. Number seven, resolution 2023-115, resolution approving the service agreement between the town of Castle Rock and Fear and peers for assistance in a creating a safety action plan. Number eight, resolution 2023-116, resolution approving the inventory um, agreement to the second uh, renewal of the Town of Castle Rock Services Agreement on um, Civil and Landscape LLC. Um, number nine, resolution 2023-117, resolution approving the second amendment of the services agreement between the town of Castle Rock and technique for the second amendment of the SCADA Founders Water Treatment Plan. Number 10, proclamation 2023-11, proclamation for fire prevention week, um, October 8th to the 14th, 2023. And number 11, minutes 2023-17, minutes on September 5th, 2023, town council meeting. I'll accept the motion. Motion to approve. Second. I have a first from Councilmember Cavia, second from Councilmember LaFleur. Any discussion? Roll call vote, please. 
Councilmember Hollingsworth. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember LaFleur. Aye. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken. Yes. Mayor Gray. Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Um, next, we have public public hearing discussion action items. Public comment we've taken on these items for four minutes per speaker. Council will also accept comments being submitted online at crgov.com backslash council comments by 1 p.m. today to be included in public comment and public record. Number 12, resolution 2023-118, resolution of town council of town of Castle Rock um, expressing support for Douglas County School District's mill levy override and bond initiatives. David. Mayor and Council, at your last meeting, you directed staff to uh, prepare a resolution um, along the lines as you just introduced that the resolution would support the school district's mill levy override and bond initiatives that will be on the ballot this November. Um, it, this is similar but um, has changed in uh, important substance matters in regards to the resolution that was adopted um, last year. It does uh, make reference to a number of uh, the, the merits of the uh, proposal as viewed by the proponents of the, the proposal and um, follows through on your direction to have a, a resolution. What we'll do with the, the resolution is obviously let the school district know that we've adopted it and then I think we um, uh, under state law are allowed to do a, a news release indicating that if the resolution is adopted this evening that that, that was the action of the council. So I'm, I'm happy to respond to any questions that you might have um, about the, the resolution or any direction I could take. Thank you, David. Any questions for staff or David uh, before we go to public comment? Seeing none, I have no one's time to speak. If anyone wishes to speak on, on this subject, please um, approach the podium. And speak to the microphone online, users may use the raise your hand feature. And phone and callers can press star three and please state your name, whether you're a resident, non-resident, or business owner. You have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll go back to town council for uh, further discussion of possible motion. Uh, Ryan Hollingshead. Yeah, I'd just like to um, remind folks that um, some of the misconceptions about 5A and 5B, um, first of all, with property taxes increasing and the community I know are very upset about that, does not increase the funding for our schools. The state of Colorado sets the amount that schools can get. They set the level for each school district and voters have to approve to go above and beyond that up to 25%. Um, everyone else in the Denver metro area has chosen to do that over the years. We have not in the last 15 years and we have fallen behind. So um, it has become urgent. Um, we have schools with teachers in them, and they're very good. Um, they're not the great teachers that we have had in the past. Um, we've lost a lot of great teachers to other districts, and it's just the reality of it. I lived in this district my whole life. I've worked in it for 23 years, and it's a, it's a reality. Um, the bond, to just speak on that, um, we cannot build new buildings as a school district unless uh, a bond is passed and voters give permission to essentially borrow money to build a new building. There is not a school south of Plum Creek Parkway in Castle Rock, not an elementary school. Uh, Castle, Crystal Valley deserves to have an elementary school in their community and that's what the bond would do, selfishly just for Castle Rock. There'd be other schools around the district as well. So definitely in support of that, but just wanted to clarify those things. Thank you. Tim Dietz. Yeah, thank you, Mayor. I too, um I'm just going to say I'm in favor of 5A and 5B. I know some of you can buy bonds, not buy them, but I think we're looking at roughly $200 if you own a million dollar home. I think um, I look at where schools could be in the future, where they are now, how we've all been through the system and we have a grandchild somewhere or will at some point be in a school. 
love or hate it. My wife is a Douglas County school teacher, and there's good and bad and everything, and I think she's great. So we can, you know, can look at it, it's more than just the teachers, it's more room for children in schools, improving supplies, et cetera. So I think it's a good thing. The nice thing at least though, you voters get to decide. It's not me or the council. I'm just, as a voter, I'll vote for it because it supports that nature. So thank you very much. Any more comments? Proposed motion? I move Ryan? to approve the resolution as introduced by title. Second. I have a first by Ronnie Hollins, had a second by Tim Dietz. Uh, I know that uh, Max uh, Brooks has a comment as well. Yeah, Mr. Mayor, thank you. Uh, it just to be clear, again, uh, great points made. I appreciate those. Uh, I am going to vote no on this. Uh, this has nothing to do with the merits of either pros or cons of 5A5B. It has absolutely nothing to do with that whatsoever. Okay. My lack of support for this is 100% about, I don't feel like it's necessarily our job to promote a vote on a ballot. I believe that's something that needs to be reviewed by the individual voters without necessarily influence from council. That's the only reason why I'm voting no against it. Thank you. Thank you, Max. I have a first and a second. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember KB. No. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? No. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Portem Bracken? Yes. Thank you. Mayor Gray? Yes. Motion passes 5 to 2. Thank you. I have the next two following items will be read in together by voted on uh, separately. Number 13, Resolution 2023-119, Resolution Approving the Interim Governmental Agreement between the Town of Castle Rock and the County of Douglas County for purposes of designating structures within unincorporated limits of the county and historic landmarks. Number 14, Ordinance 2023, Ordinance designating the McMurdo Gulch Civilian Conservation Court Drops Structure Site as a local historic landmark amending sections 15. Um, 64.080 and the Castle Rock Municipal Code and providing emergency adoption of the ordinance in first and final reading. Tara. All right, good evening, Mayor and Council Members. So yes, there's two items uh, that we need to address related to these drop structures uh, that were constructed by the Civilian Conservation Corps. Uh, the first is an intergovernmental agreement that would allow the town of Castle Rock to act with jurisdiction over all three structures fully, and I'll touch on that in more detail in a few minutes. And then the second is the request to locally landmark them. Uh, this vicinity map shows the location of the three drop structures. They're labeled um, F1, F2, and F3 on this slide. This is generally east of the terrain neighborhood um, and just east of the southernmost intersection of Autumn Sage uh, with Castle Oaks Drive. Um, the reason we're before you tonight for the intergovernmental agreement is because the two northern drop structures um, are partially in incorporated town of Castle Rock and they are also partially in unincorporated Douglas County. So the uh, blue parcel is in unincorporated Douglas County. So the first action of the intergovernmental agreement would provide the town the jurisdiction to rule on the landmarking of the structures if we choose to. 
So a little bit about the proposal. Castle Rock Water is doing channel upgrades in McMurdo Gulch. Uh, these specifically three drop structures were constructed between 1936 and 1938, which shows that stormwater issues have been around for quite a while. Uh, they were um, they're in need of rehabilitation today, and Castle Rock Water would like uh, Castle Rock Water would like the ability to apply for some grant, uh, state historical grant funding specific to these structures. Um, and so that uh, is why a landmark designation is being sought at this time. Uh, as a part of that too, uh, the ordinance before you is requested to be reviewed and approved on emergency adoption first and final reading due to the deadline of the grant application being at the beginning of October. For the intergovernmental agreement, as I showed on the slide, the two northern drop structures are half in unincorporated Douglas County and half within the town of Castle Rock. So the IGA would authorize the town of Castle Rock to act on the landmark designation for these two drop structures only, um, and then any future actions related to them. Uh, the county is a part of this um, uh, IGA, as well as would be a referral uh, commentary on any of the changes to the structures and improvements. So a little bit of the history, um, the Civilian Conservation Corps comes out of the, the Great Depression and the New Deal projects that were going on at that time. Um, we do have a, a consultant with us tonight who will talk a little bit more about the history of the sites. But the civilian conservation camps uh, operated in our area from 1934 to 1941, and they really addressed rural um, agricultural and stormwater needs at the time. So a little bit about the structures. Uh, this is a picture of one of them. They're all made out of stacked rhyolite stone. Uh, some of, they range between 40 and 55 feet wide across the stream and are uh, just between seven and a half and 15 feet high. Um, and Leslie, who'll speak after me, has some additional slides to show you some of their conditions. Um, obviously, rhyolite can stand the test of time, but these are starting to crumble and do need to be rehabilitated. To be locally landmark uh, in the Castle Rock Code, Chapter 15, uh, you do have to have at least two elements that are under the significance column. Uh, these um, drop structures um, address three of those, so the events of the Civilian Conservation Corps being here, uh, the architecture of them, and the age of them. Uh, for historic integrity, they have to meet at least one of the criteria. Uh, they do meet six. Uh, they are located where they were originally constructed. Even though they are um, having some issues that require maintenance, you can still see the original design, materials, and workmanship of the folks that built them, and they are associated with the Civilian Conservation Corps camps uh, in the area that were located approximately 1.2 miles north of this, as well as some other structures in the area. So with that, I do have, um, Apologies, I had another slide in here, so I'll pause here for a moment to say that uh, staff recommends approval um, of these uh, of the landmarking of the structures. They do meet the criteria of the Historic Preservation Plan, as well as a Chapter 15.64 in the Castle Rock Municipal Code. The Historic Preservation Board did review and approve these structures um, at their meeting in September uh, by a vote of five to zero. So they recommend to town council to recommend approval. So with that, I have two motions for your consideration when we get to that. Uh, the first one is the resolution for the intergovernmental agreement, uh, which would need to be acted on first if you chose to do so. And then the second is the motion for the landmarking uh, ordinance, which would need to be emergency adoption uh, for first and final reading. So I'll pause there for a minute. Uh, we do have Leslie Moore with ERO, uh, the consultant who did the archaeological historical study on them, and she has a short presentation to make. I'm happy to answer any questions now or after Leslie's presentation. 
Thank you, Tara. Any questions for Tara before we go into the presentation? Thank you, Tara. Right, go ahead. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Leslie Moore, and I'm a historian with ERO Resources. And I've been working with town staff to do some research on this site. Uh, this jumble of numbers and letters you see here, the 5DA3750, is the ID number the state has assigned the site. So you'll see some references to that. A little context uh, about why this site is significant, uh, significant is that in the 1930s, during the Great Depression, Congress passed a, um, a series of legislation uh, known as the New Deal that created jobs for the many employed Americans at the time. And one of those no New Deal programs was the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC. The CCC would hire unmarried young men between the ages of 18 and 25 to complete conservation projects on public lands across the country. They did work in, in every single state. Uh, if you signed up to be part of the CCC, you were provided shelter, clothing, food, and a wage of $30 a month. Um, now they did automatically send 25 of those daughters, or 25 of the dollars home to uh, their parents. They weren't actually allowed to spend it themselves. Um, and between 1933 and 1942, when the program uh, came to an end, over three million men had been part of the CCC. In 1934, a company built a camp in McMurdo Gulch, about a mile north of 5DA3750, and they largely did work with the Soil Conservation Service, um, doing erosion and drought relief projects. So some of those projects included planting trees and vegetation, building dams, diversion ditches, doing terracing on slopes where uh, cattle were grazing, and then, of course, uh, building the drop structures including those at our site. There's a picture of some of the CCC guys. Uh, the drop structures helped keep the gulch from eroding when stormwater would pass through. We're pretty sure they were built between 1936 and 1938 because one CCC enrollee, Robert T. Sobey, signed his name, carved his name onto two of the structures. And you, um, if you look at the rosters for the camp, he is listed on the rosters in 1936, 1937, and 1938. So that's why we can pinpoint those dates. The camp was disbanded in 1941, and all of the buildings were removed by 1943. Here's another overview map of the site. The little green wiggles are the actual drop structures. And the little yellow dots are actually piles of spare stones that we think the CCC left behind um, while they were building the drop structures. Here's another overview photo. You can really get a sense of the gulch, how deep it is. Here's feature one, the northern drop structure. Feature two, the central drop structure. Feature three, the southern drop structure. Now here's a, one picture to give a sense of the current condition of the drop structures. Um, they're in fairly poor condition. After 80 years, the, the uh, cement mortar between the rhyolite stones has uh, started to crack. Some of it is missing entirely. 
Uh, and that's making the stones more vulnerable to the freeze-thaw cycles to the point where some stones have actually started to fall out of the drop structures. You also see in these photos that there's, there's dense vegetation growing, uh, growing on them, which doesn't help their condition either. And if you look in the photo, there's a really dark circle kind of in the elbow of the two walls closest to us. That's a scour hole, so basically water is now going underneath that wall rather than going just down the central part of the drop structure, and that's also um, causing issues, structural issues. So I think some benefits of landmarking designating the site, for one thing, uh, to recognize the significance of the CCC's um, contributions to what Castle Rock's landscape looks like today. The amount of conservation work they did in the area is, is pretty incredible. Uh, also, it's my understanding that Castle Rock um, has never designated a historical site that wasn't a building before. So by designating this site, they would be uh, recognizing the importance of historical resources that aren't buildings. Uh, furthermore, town staff have done a lot of work over the past year to build collaborative relationships with the three other owners of the sites um, who have been in support of this landmark designation. And then finally, it is a requirement that the site be landmarked in order for it to qualify for a state historical fund construction grant. So the state historical fund um, is part of History of Colorado. The town, town staff are hoping to receive a construction grant so that they can rehabilitate the drop structures uh, to improve their condition and so that they can actually handle the water flowing through McMurdo Gulch so they can t continue to do what they were designed to do and help with um, erosion problems. Uh, if they received the grant, it would be used to um, take the spare stones at the site and patch areas on the drop structure where stones are missing. Um, also, redo the mortar where it's needed, remove some of the vegetation where it's too dense, um, and install stone riprap to prevent more scour holes and undercutting. Uh, also, if the grant money comes through, uh, Proposing documenting the site with uh, high-level photographs and drawings and historical narrative that would then be available for local libraries and archives so researchers could uh, learn more about the site and what its condition is like now before this rehabilitation takes place. Uh, and lastly, to do a walking tour for the public along the existing McMurdo Gulch Trail so that they could learn more about all of the CCC's work uh, here in this area and actually look at these drop structures to get a sense of what that work was. So thank you for listening. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions as well. Thank you, Leslie. Any further questions or any questions for Leslie or for town staff? Thank you, Leslie. Seeing none, we have no one's time to speak. If anyone wishes to speak, please approach the podium, speak in the microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature. And phone and callers, press star three. Please state your name and whether you are a resident, non-resident, or business owner. You have four minutes to speak. Seeing none, we'll bring back to town council for um, discussion and a possible motion. Desi LaFleur. 
thank you guys for your work on this. It's a, a neat thing to uh, landmark, so I appreciate all that's gone into it. I just wanted to remind folks that there is a neat little exhibit at the Castle Rock Museum on this site, and there used to be a golf course that the CC uh, used in their downtime, CCC used in their downtime, and also that's the same group that's responsible for uh, building the rock on Castle or the star on Castle Rock. So just want to throw a little bit of tidbit out there for you all. Uh, with that, I'd like to move to approve the resolution as introduced by title. Second. <laughs> uh, first by Desi LaFleur, second by Ryan Hollingshead. Any further discussion? Seeing none, roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cady? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken? Yes. Mayor Gray? Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. I have the second motion up for your consideration. I move to approve the emergency adoption of this ordinance as introduced by first and final reading. Second. I have a motion by uh, Desi LaFleur, second by Councilmember Cavey. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Dietz? Yes. Mayor Pratam Bracken? Yes. Mayor Gray? Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Thanks, Tara. Thank you. Number 15, uh, discussion direction 2023-26. Application for third quarter council community grant, grant program. We have four applications. Trish. Thank you, Mayor and Council. As you know, I have the privilege of introducing the applications for the grant program each quarter. Uh, so first of all, what I would like to do is give you a little uh, reminder of what the program is itself. This program is geared towards the quality of life for Castle Rock residents, and it focuses more on youth and senior programs, as well as community-based environmental and sustainability programs, and community-based performing and visual arts. In 2023, this program is funded out of the general fund, specifically out of the council division budget. Uh, we have an $8,000 budget. Quarterly disbursements then are 2,000 and averaging 500 per award, assuming four applicants per quarter. Uh, we, we have discussed increasing this amount for 2024 as well. So we had four applications for the third quarter CCGP uh, award. The first is a Castle Rock community band. They are asking for $500, and they would use that money to support their, to support their rehearsals and their performances around town. The next application is Castleview High School's STEM chapter. They're asking for $500 to assist with funding for the state conference and to lower the admission costs for the after-school club. Third application is Close to Kids Denver. This has been a, an applicant in the past that has received an award. They are asking for $500 to underwrite our underwear. They are uh, doing a drive for um, undergarments uh, for kids that may not have uh, those resources available to them. And last but not least, we have the Denver Regional Mobility and Access Council asking for 500. This is a new application for this quarter, well, for this year. Um, they are asking for funding for the Getting Their Travel Training Program. They provide information about transit and other options such as Uber or Lyft, uh, technical training towards people that maybe haven't used it before. 
So that is our fourth application. I believe there are representatives from each of the applicants, either in the audience or online, should council have any questions, and I'm also available to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you, Trish. Is any of those applicants um, would like to speak before we move? Yes, go ahead, please. Hi, I'm Valerie Lunka, the Executive Director of Close to Kids of Denver, and just wanted to say thank you for your uh, past support of Close to Kids of Denver, and really appreciate you even considering writing or underwriting our underwear. Um, we're serving, we just had our 15th anniversary, and well, a week ago Monday, we provided our 100,000th wardrobe. And we are called Close to Kids of Denver, but we do serve the entire Denver metro area. So if you have any questions, happy to answer them, but just thank you so much for your past support and we really appreciate it. Any questions? Thank you very much. Okay, thanks. Is there anybody else in, in person or online who'd like to speak in favor of their chapter or council or community band? Hello. Um, so we are part of the Technology Student Association chapter at Castleview. Um, we believe that our club deserves funding so we can provide the experience that TSA offers to more students at our school. Um, we provide new opportunities to let kids have a chance to experience STEM, which stands for te Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Um, it opens up new opportunities for the students um, and gives them a better idea of what they want their careers to be in the future. Thank you very much. Any questions? What are you guys competing in this year? Um, me and Sydney, we're going to be competing in architecture. So it's going to be fun. Oh, thank you very much. Thank so you. Shannon, I think we have someone online as well. Okay, I have no one signed to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium. And speaking to the microphone, online users may use the raise your hand feature and phone and callers and press star three. Please state your name, whether you're a resident, non-resident, or business owner. You will have four minutes to speak. Okay, thank you, Shannon, go ahead. and development manager for the Denver Regional Mobility and Access Council. Um, I know we're a new applicant. I did want to just give you a brief background for a second on who we are. Uh, we've provided transportation resources to nine different counties. Historically, we've been here for almost 20 years now. Um, it wasn't until 2020 that we were able to start a program, which was the Getting Their Travel Training Program, which has allowed us to expand our um, populations that we're able to reach, which includes youth. Um, 
um, and pretty much anybody else that's on the spectrum as human beings. Um, so this is a really great program that we've had. We've been really successful with it in the last two years um, with training over a thousand folks, how to use services to get around, basically how to get to and from where they need to go. Um, some of the other things that we do is we have a getting their travel training guide. Essentially, it's like a phone book of transportation providers within the nine counties. Um, and some of the things we are trying to do right now is expand those options and those um, providers that are out there that we're not aware of to just really um, fill in those gaps that are missing for people where they need to go, you know. Um, and so I just kind of wanted to give you that background about who we are. Um, and yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. Anybody else in person or online like to speak? Got one more there, Shannon. Thank you. Yes, uh, this is uh, Dale Flutterman with the Castle Rock Community Band. Um, you know, the Castle Rock Community Band has been in existence for well over twenty years, uh, providing uh, turn of the century marching band music to uh, many city events. Um, uh, we definitely were non for profit. Definitely welcome uh, any kind of funding to help uh, continue uh, what we try to provide for the community um, and continue to uh, bring in new members and, uh, and hopefully entertain the town as we go. Thank you very much. Anybody else online there, Shannon? Thank you. Seeing none, we'll bring it back to town council for a possible motion and discussion. Councilmember Dietz. Yes, thank you, Mayor. And per uh, my conversation email in the past and talking with Mr. Corliss and Trish here, we are able to, with our budget, and I know rest of council will be with me on this, they're all in agreement. We are going to increase the amount starting with this quarterly giving that each person will get a thousand. We're increasing it to 4,000 per quarter starting now, and that is my motion to increase the quarterly grant program from 2,000 to 4,000, replacing the old, starting with this quarter. Second. I have a first by Councilmember Deese, a second by Councilmember Cavey. Any further discussion? I just like to say yes. I think that, um, you know, it's about time. We have, it's been a little while, and it's good to review this once in a while, make sure we have it in our budget, so I do appreciate that, Trish and David. Um, but I think I'm glad we're able to do this right now. Um, any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Deese? Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken? Yes. Mayor Gray? Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. And we need to. Thank you very much. Um, now we have the resolution, sorry, it's number 16, resolution 2023-114, resolution approving the First Amendment, the Colorado Option and Structure Lease Agreement with Tinnatown and Castle Rock and Southern Partnership, DBA, Verizon Wireless. Yep, go ahead. Um, I need to recuse myself for this particular discussion as I work for Verizon and it would be inappropriate for me to be voting on this as it would affect me uh, could affect me financially, so I will be recusing myself from this. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor and Council. Um, that's a mouthful of uh, introduction there, but um, this item is 
This item is really related to an important thing for Castle Rock Water, which is trying to maximize the use of our resources and assets for the benefit of our customers. And we have a number of water tanks, as you guys know, around town that sit in an elevation where they are ideal locations for these kinds of cell towers and cell tower infrastructure. The sites obviously are secure because we have fenced and watched and checked, um, so they make a good place for these things. So Verizon um, approached us about a lease they have on our tank over next to the King Supers off of Ridge Road. Uh, they already had a lease on this site since 2009. The lease was set to expire in 2029. And what they really wanted to do was look at um, extending this lease. Now, to date, you can see here we've collected about $315,000 on this lease since 2009. Um, that's not insignificant. That's helpful in offsetting the cost of operating our water system and the costs uh, that we uh, get from building all of this infrastructure. So the bottom line for this is we talked to them about extending this lease out for 10 five-year renewals. These are options, I want to be clear, so they don't have to renew these. They could cancel these with 60 days notice if they did not want to renew. But if they do renew, um, bottom line is we'll, we'll take a $12,500 payment for the renewal. And then one of the things that we incorporated into the uh, lease now and the amendment to the lease is something that we did not have before, which is an annual escalation of 3%, which we think will be very helpful. Um, give you a sense of, of the total scale of these leases, we collect about $125,000 a year for all four of our leases. We've got about four of the, five of these, excuse me, five of these on our tanks. Um, so with that, Staff does recommend proceeding on this one, um, and we did take this to Water Commission. They, we got their recommendation as well, and happy to answer any questions. Any questions for Mark or staff? Seeing none, I have no one to speak. If anyone wishes to speak, please approach the podium, speak in a microphone. Online users may use the raise your hand feature, and phone and callers can press star three. And please state your name, whether you are resident, non-resident, or business owner, you have four minutes to speak. Seeing no, we're going to bring it back to town council for a possible motion and discussion. I move to approve the resolution as introduced by title. Second. I have a first by Max Brooks, a second by Tim Dietz. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember LaFleur. Aye. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pritchard Bracken. Yes. Mayor Gray. Aye. Motion passes 6 0. Thank you. Moving on to number 17, direction discussion 2023-27, town, town code provisions concerning public indecency. Michael. Thank you, Mayor, members of town council. Uh, we've been asked to uh, report on uh, uh, public indecency laws, indecent exposure laws, public nudity laws pursuant to uh, council direction. So without further ado, we'll go to the first page. That direction occurred at the uh, August 15th meeting. Uh, and so uh, here is our report, uh, just a brief uh, uh, preview. We're gonna be recommending that we uh, amend uh, Title IX of our town code, which is our uh, set of criminal laws that we prosecute 
in the municipal court. We're going to make public indecency, indecent exposure, and public nudity all municipal level offenses. That's part of the recommendation. Uh, also, part of our recommendation is to include language in all of our agreements, permits, and such for the use and or rental of town-owned facilities that require the user or the renter to comply with all applicable laws, including these changes to our code. Uh, the general issues that I think we want to cover initially, uh, these three proposed amendments are really laws of general application, so they apply throughout the town. Uh, wanted to contrast that with what we have on the books right now, which is really a zoning ordinance um, and a licensing ordinance. The town's sexually oriented business ordinance is really regulating the uh, operation of those kind of businesses. They restrict their presence to a particular zone district, in this case, the industrial zone district. Don't believe we have any sexually oriented businesses operating in the town. And uh, so, uh, you know, th that ordinance, I believe, dates back to the 1990s, and I believe a number of jurisdictions put that on the books uh, to uh, restrict those uh, uh, type of business to a certain area of the community. We're not making any recommendations to change the uh, sexually oriented business code. It's really a very limited, a very limited application, and that's why we're heading towards the uh, criminal code. So, more uh, issues. Our uh, Castle Rock police officers are all post-certified. Under the post-certification statute, uh, they have the authority to enforce all criminal laws of the state of Colorado. Uh, just a note, criminal charges that are brought under a state statute, however, uh, must be prosecuted in a county or district court, depending on the level of the crime and punishment not in the Castle Rock Municipal Court. That's why we are adding, proposing to add these three offenses to Title IX so we can prosecute them right across the street. Uh, another point I wanted to make and remind you of, the jurisdictional authority of Castle Rock Police to enforce state and local laws uh, extends to all property within our town boundaries, and that does include the property owned and operated by Douglas County, including the fairgrounds property, uh, the uh, county offices down the uh, street, uh, the, uh, and, and, and any other uh, county property within our boundaries. Uh, we would have essentially uh, coterminous authority with the uh, Douglas County Sheriff's Department to enforce state laws. They, of course, cannot cite municipal offenses. Only Casserot PD can do that. So let's start with public indecency. Um, just a brief overview. Uh, the state statute makes it a criminal offense to perform acts of public indecency, and that would be occurring in a public place or a place where the conduct may reasonably be expected to be viewed by the members of the public. Now, the town currently does not have a local ordinance that corresponds to the state law. We recommend that we essentially adopt the state public indecency law without any substantive changes. We think that uh, that's probably the safest course of action uh, so that uh, we have uh, a, a corresponding uh, uh, law that has essentially uh, passed the test of time and challenge. Likewise, indecent exposure. Uh, 
It's a criminal offense to uh, commit indecent exposure. Uh, now, an indecent exposure offense can take place in public, can take place in private. Uh, there's no limitation uh, like there is with public indecency. Uh, so, again, we have no corresponding ordinance. Um, and we do recommend that we uh, adopt the state law with one substantive change. If you take a look at the state statute, uh, indecent exposure committed in the view of a child under the age of 15 is considered a felony offense. Uh, there's a case uh, a number of years ago that uh, I believe involved the Edgewater Municipal Court. Uh, Quintana versus Edgewater, uh, basically the uh, Colorado Supreme Court said that local ordinances cannot encroach upon felony category. That is reserved to the state. So if, uh, and, and, and essentially a felony means you can go down to the state penitentiary and serve your sentence. So uh, we're going to not do that portion of the statute and let those offenses be prosecuted where they should, where people can have a nice uh, uh, paid trip down to Canyon City for doing something like this in front of a child. Uh, so we recommend excluding the felony enhancement provision of the state law uh, so we can keep our ordinance uh, 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 fully uh, legal under the rules of, that the uh, Supreme Court has put into place with regard to uh, local governments. Last but not least is the public nudity ordinance that we're recommending. <clears throat> I think it's uh, of note that the state has not, and I don't believe has ever, I could be wrong on this, adopted a law criminalizing the act of appearing in a state of nudity in a public place. They've historically left that sort of uh, regulation to local governments, and a number of local governments have done that. The town of Castle Rock has not. Fort Collins recently faced a very public constitutional challenge to its public nudity ordinance. And in fact, that case went all the way up to the 10th Circuit Federal Court of Appeals in 2019. At that time, the Fort Collins ordinance prohibited the exposure of female breasts. They did not have a corresponding prohibition against the exposure of male breasts. So in the aptly named Free the Nipple Fort Collins versus City of Fort Collins case, uh, our 10th Circuit Court held that the ordinance violated equal protection because it was discriminatory, treated women differently than men. Uh, so uh, essentially, uh, there was a lot of statements in there about uh, the, the uh, ordinance essentially sexualizing the female breast, uh, and the court felt that it was inappropriate to differentiate. So, what did Fort Collins City Council do? They amended their public nudity ordinance. They removed all prohibitions related to female breasts. Most other cities and towns, including Parker, followed Fort Collins's lead. Um, just of interesting note, uh, Lone Tree will prohibit the exposure of both male and female breasts. Uh, we did not recommend that we go in that direction. Uh, I think that uh, probably the, the most practical course of action would be to adopt an ordinance that kind of incorporates some of the key features of both the Fort Collins and Parker ordinances. Uh, 
in particular, uh, I and I think the, the memo goes into it, Fort Collins has a number of very good specific exceptions uh, that I think would apply. Uh, Parker talks about uh, not only the exposure of actual below the waist uh, 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 intimate parts of the body, but also simulated intimate parts. So I wanted to capture that in our ordinance uh, because I thought that was a good direction that Parker went. Uh, so those are our recommendations uh, with respect to Title IX. Uh, and so we also want to cover all this in the rental of town facilities, the use of town facilities. So we're going to take a look at our permits, take a look at our agreements, and we want to provide specifically that all users and rental renters ensure compliance with our town ordinances that address, assuming we pass them, public indecency, indecent exposure, and public nudity. So any failure to comply with this would result in the immediate revocation or termination of the permit or the agreement, preclude the issuance of future permits and agreements, and we warn the user or renter that they could be subject uh, to being issued a criminal summons complaint to appear in our court next door. So, I have some proposed motions up there for you. Happy to take any questions you may have. Uh, hopefully I can answer. Thank you, Michael. Any questions for Michael or staff? Seeing none, I do have people signed to speak. Um, I will call up, uh, I was Anya and Jay uh, wanted to talk together. Thank you. Is it on? Yes, it sounds on. Okay, thank you for your time. I uh, just want to say that it's been a contentious year so far in here at times. A lot of division <clears throat> and talking past one another has taken place. We often stand in here, something I'm guilty of, and make impassioned pleas using whatever the name or the buzzword of the day is. We take shots at the character of individuals that we don't know. Things are said like hateful, bigot, groomer, along with many other things. Those insults are hur hurled around by either side of the argument, and as a result, the division grows. I don't know this, but I would imagine that if the division continues to grow, we will just become another national narrative. A divided community, born of many small offenses, thrown at one another over the course of time, hardening our positions. It occurred to me that as a Christian, my behavior needed a tweak. I judged first without building a relationship. I never actually sat down with someone from Castle Rock Pride to determine what they thought was morally acceptable for children to be exposed to or not. I made a series of assumptions. So about a month or two ago, I introduced myself to Anya here. For those of you that don't know, Anya's sitting next to me. You probably already figured that out. <laughs> Our initial phone call started with Anya expressing that my groomer comment directed towards her at a past meeting was offensive. 
So I apologize privately, but Anya, I'd like to apologize for that remark. To all of the LGBTQ community in the room or online, I believe deeply as a Christian that you are made in the image of God, no different than myself. As a fellow image bearer of God, I think we should be aiming for harmony, not division. Now, I think it's very important to say that that does not mean that there's going to be full agreement in every area of our lives. But it also does not mean that coming in here and, and utilizing continuous attacks is going to be beneficial. I had it faster. Okay. All right. It's interesting in life how if you get to know somebody, you probably share more in common than you might think. What I found in talking to Anya about past drag shows or behavior at pride events, as well as other moral dilemmas, we were almost completely in agreement on what kids should or should not be exposed to. Now what's at stake? Further division or resolution? That's why we're sitting here together, to try and come to an agreement on this ordinance so that Castle Rock has a clear definition of what is appropriate in front of children and what is not. At Pride Fest 2023, on the positive, we saw that Castle Rock Pride put on an event that to my knowledge did not include the sexualized behavior of years past. So kudos to you for that. On the negative, we saw the Patriot Front and the Proud Boys attend two groups that I would gladly never see in Castle Rock again. They don't represent my values. It's unfortunate, in my opinion, that the men in the white shirts got lumped together with these hateful protesters. From what I saw, they peacefully protested. Now you can agree or disagree with that, but I believe they were coming from a good place, a place of biblical peace and truth. On the flip side of that, groups not associated with Castle Rock Pride, who I don't believe represent their values, like the Parasol Patrol, were at the last meeting growing the division wider. So hopefully you can see where I'm going with this. The reasonable adults can come together to resolve our disagreements. Okay. Go ahead and finish up. Ani, you want to finish up for him as well? I can. I can talk I real fast. Got, I thought we each we'll, got we'll, give you, we'll give you four minutes each. Thanks. Yeah, I yeah. each Hopefully you can see where Jay's going with this. Uh, the reasonable adults can come together to resolve our disagreements or the polarization on both sides of the issue can insert themselves. Only if we let them. If the latter occurs, I predict continued hate. He predicts continued hate and destruction in the town. In summary, before he turns it over to me, um, we all have an individual choice to make. We can come in here every two weeks and hurl insults or we can search for common ground. I'm Anya Zavadil. I'm president of Castle Rock Pride. I am here as an individual, not as president of Castle Rock Pride tonight. Um, I'm going to start by saying I've known Jay for a couple of months now. I'm pleased that I know him, and we are working to build a bridge between our differing viewpoints. I do not agree with all of his views. For example, I do not think people protesting inside of our Pride Fest wearing shirts implying I'm in, I am somehow a danger to children were coming from a good place. Additionally, I appreciate the Parasol Patrol as they help make the queer community feel safe. But we can figure out how to do that together. We do agree on an important topic. This town should not be the home for constant fighting and the next place for the news to get their views. I can speak for everyone I know that is here, though they have not asked me to. We have better things to do. No offense, town council. Um, we are happy to follow ordinances be respectful to our neighbors, and continue to be great citizens. We don't want this fight. We are here because we are concerned that new ordinance might be used disproportionately against the minorities in this town. 
Perhaps the town council will decide a new ordinance is needed. I put my trust in the town's leadership and legal team to create and implement any measure in a fair and non-discriminatory way. I believe that our local government understands the value of diversity and the importance of upholding the rights of every individual. I am confident that any measure adopted will be based on truly protecting public decency and safety of all citizens, rather than being wielded as a tool against any specific group. Though I must say, I find it ironic for any group to want to give so much power to the government. Again, no offense. At this time, I am hoping that those who are here to support the queer community refrain from name calling. Instead, use your time to explain what exactly people are doing that is unjust, unkind, or hurtful. There is a lot of rhetoric that is used to create divisiveness and we need to rise above that. Anyone who wants to be part of the solution has to be willing to be open-minded, be willing to learn, and be willing to listen. Anyone who is not willing to do that is going to continue to make the problem bigger. I want to state publicly that I'm happy to have a conversation with any member of the town council or any member of the public that is looking for a way to move beyond this fight. Let's make Castle Rock a place that we are all proud of and we are all happy to be. Thank you for your time. Anya Jay, thank you very much. I have uh, Dana Bonham next. Thank you. My name is Dana Bonham. A little uh, different take on um, Pride Fest. I'd like to review that since um, Pride Fest is not the target of this ordinance or the desired ordinance, but it is the catalyst for it. Um, my account of Pride Fest within minutes of entering was Eli Bazan, head of Paris Hall Patrol, confronting the other lady that I was with and pretty much telling her that if she caused any trouble, she would be kicked out immediately. I asked to be admitted into the children's area with tickets that were purchased, and I was denied. From the time we entered Pride Fest to the time we left, people were taking pictures of us in our face following us everywhere we went. We felt bullied and intimidated, not loved and included. I saw no love and inclusivity unless you celebrated what they believed. Um, when we went to the Democratic uh, Chairman's booth of Douglas County, um, someone took my picture there, and when I attempted to try and take Angela Thomas's picture, she put her parasol up. When I tried to go underneath it, of course, she was more forceful, and so we moved on. Um, as we moved on to the front, Michael Clarkson was shouting my name, more intimidation. During the drag show, as men stood quietly protesting what had happened in Pride Fest's past, um, they had to listen to insults and expletives, and they responded with, I love you. Sitting next to me once again was Angela Thomas and another person from Pride Fest that I did not recognize. And they were discussing how at times like this it would be nice to have daggers on the ends of the parasols. Once again, not love. Eli Bazan's parasols up and down commands to block people was not inclusive. 
Um, I don't believe that the person who I have video on, um, who is grabbing their private parts and dancing in front of everybody, I don't. I think that might have been G-rated maybe in somebody's view, but it was not family friendly to me. In fact, the whole idea of drag is not family friendly. Intimidation and bullying, if you're not on their side, is not family friendly. Men pretending to be women and vice versa is a ridiculous show, in my opinion, of dysfunction and dysphoria. It's called gender dysphoria for a reason. That is an emotional state characterized by anxiety, depression, or unease. Why do we want to promote dysphoria as normal and celebrated in front of our children? These people need help, yes. And as a community, I want us to help them. But affirmation and normalization is not what is needed here. So I want to ask why it's taken so long to get to this point. Do you feel bullied and intimidated by them with their insults, their homophobic, transphobic remarks to you? Um, will you be the voices for our children that we need? I'm going to state the obvious, what I think is obvious. Biological boys are boys and girls are girls. And there's no in-between, no gray area, and no, uh, no transition to anything. We need courageous leaders who will speak truth and not have a show of fantasy and something that is not reality. And I'm asking you to be those voices of truth, please. Thank you. Um, Brooke, I had you sign up for two. You were gonna sign up, are you speaking on number 17 as well? Yes. Okay, go ahead, please. I had intended to say something else, but I, I'm just going to say one response to the person who spoke, and I'm not going to respond to all of what she said, but I have two trans kids. They are normal kids. They are healthy kids. They're the healthiest they've been. They have been transitioned or in the process of transitioning, and they are phenomenal, and that's who they are. It is not a world where there are just boys and just girls as you are designating them in a binary sense. What I intended to say is great job to the legal team. I think you did a fantastic research. The, what has been proposed makes a lot of sense. Um, it's protective of what it is that people want, but it's also protective of this community to ensure there's no litigation because that's, that's part of the protective aspect of financial litigation. Um, so I just wanted to compliment and say I support 100% what has been proposed, and we'll assume that it will be um, would be adopted in a you know intentional way and applied consistently to all groups of people. Thank you. Thank you. Um, next, I have Mandy Mao. Um, so I wanted to comment on this topic because I have worked in the mental health field for over 20 years. Um, I feel like I've, it's given me a pretty good grasp on psychology and what factors um, lead to mental health issues. Um, in my life, after watching the obvious increase um, 
on the focus on sexual preferences within the schools as well as throughout society and the ever-increasing LGBTQ and pride events, including drag queen performances, um, I feel like it's, it's really important to note uh, how early exposure to sexuality affects children psychologically. Um, I think that, you know, we've had people make comments about they don't like it or, or this or that, their, their kind of opinion on it. Um, but I'm coming from a real, true uh, perspective that this ruins lives um, forever. It ruins families, it ruins lives, and it ruins mental health. Um, there's a huge amount of evidence that premature exposure to sexuality increases confusion in children who are not capable of understanding the complex topic. It leads to a plethora of psychological issues. The issues include insecurity, hypersexuality, viewing the opposite sex as though they are not human and are merely a sex, sex toy, um, being unable to have a healthy sexual relationship late, later in life, confusion about sexual preferences and mental health issues that can lead to further problems that last throughout their lifetime. In my career, I've worked with individuals who have um, identified as transgender, bisexual, furries. Um, I, I've worked with people that believe that they are the opposite sex in a three-year-old body. Um, I've worked with uh, traditional members of the lesbian, gay, and uh, the lesbian and gay populations. Um, in my experience, the traditional members of the lesbian and gay populations have been really well-adjusted, really wonderful people um, that I am separating from, I think, the rest of this. Um, with the rest of those populations that we are more um, accepting and tolerant of as time goes by, and, and I unfortunately see it as more uh, perpetuating and grooming of, of uh, becoming those, those different kind of alternative people or beings, um, there's a very high incidence of mental health issues and suicidal ideation being one of the main um, problems that's very, very scary and very devastating. Um, I think it's really unfortunate that we are perpetuating gender confusion, and we are, um, and we are allowing the grooming of children to view atypical sexual preferences um, as something to move towards as um, as we label the grooming and perpetuation of this as tolerance and acceptance. We aren't creating healthy minds. And it's really evident in our schools and in our society. Um, we're more tolerant, more accepting than we ever have been in history of um, alternative lifestyles. And we also have the highest incidence of uh, mental health crises and child suicide rates than ever in history. We need to reevaluate if we are making decisions like adults who have been given the duty of protecting our innocent children, or if we are being led by an agenda that is meant to divide, demoralize, and destroy our society so we're ultimately unable to lead ourselves. And I really truly think that's where, where we're headed, is that we are just breaking apart, we're allowing division to happen, we're allowing mental health issues to rule us. Thank you, Mandy. Next, I have Casey Neal. Good 
Good evening, Mr. Mayor, council members. Uh, I'd like to start tonight by thanking you for your service. You have a tough job. There's no doubt about it. It is not for the faint of heart. It takes up a lot of time. You have to know a lot about a lot. And you have to make some difficult and complex choices that are gonna affect people now and affect people in the future. And that's where you find yourselves tonight, pondering new indecency and morality laws and ordinances. I urge you to take a very light touch on this. I think that the legal team has done a good job of trying to thread the needle there. Um, these, crafting these kind of ordinances is complicated and it's tricky and enforcing them is even dicier. And the plain truth of the matter is, we don't really have an indecency problem here. There have been six uh, citations, indecent citations, in the last five years, and none have occurred this year. And with all due respect to John Anderson, I have never seen a man walking down the street in a bra and panties. And if I did, would it be indecent? I don't know. I could go to a pool or a park and I could see women in string bikinis and guys in speedos. What about crop tops? What about short shorts? That's a ubiquitous uniform for countless girls here in town. What about cycling shorts and yoga wear? Once you see that, there's not much left to the imagination. Or is this really gonna be just men in women's clothing that is offensive? If I asked all of you up there, if you were conservatives, I'm pretty confident every single one of you would raise your hand. So I probably don't really need to remind you all that a basic core conservative principle is less regulation, not more. Brave men and women, service women and men, have lost their lives fighting regimes that have dictated what people can and cannot wear, what they can and cannot do, what they can and cannot think. Is that really where you want to go? I don't think so. I beg you not to fall prey to influences by special interests that have ulterior motives here. I don't really want to become a reality version of Footloose. For one thing, Kevin Bacon would come back and he would kick our ass, and this room is not large enough for a mob, a flash mob dance off. It's just not. But all kidding aside, we are a good town. Castle Rock is a good town with good people doing good things. How about we focus on that for a hot minute? I know you all are gonna do the right thing, and it's gonna not be an easy discussion, but it's gonna be a good one, and I know you're all gonna come out ahead, and this is all gonna work out for you. And I wish you the very best of luck, and Godspeed. Thank you, Casey. Next I have Brad, I can't pronounce it, sorry? Birdford. Thank you. 
Good evening, Mayor Gray and members of the council. My name is Brad Bergford. I represent a group of uh, Castle Rock people, uh, including uh, one entity that has been uh, key in promoting the idea that it's important to uh, to protect the children in Castle Rock from the kinds of things that we're talking about in terms of indecent exposure, uh, nudity, and public indecency. I want to first point out and, and uh, thank town council, or excuse me, town attorney Michael Hyman for the work that he's done to put together a proposal that makes sense, that reflects uh, the goal of protecting children and, and having our public areas in Castle Rock be uh, areas that we can trust will not be uh, polluted by the kinds of uh, behavior and conduct and displays that we would categorize as public indecency, indecent exposure, and nudity. Uh, Mr. Hyman, created a memo which is very helpful uh, and it, it tracks with what he has shown us here today. I want to uh, talk briefly about a couple of things uh, in the public, in, public indecency portion. Uh, I like everything that, that he has said. Uh, I would like to include that uh, the exposure of intimate parts of the body uh, being outlawed should include prosthetics and, and simulations, uh, as have been mentioned earlier tonight. Uh, in terms of the indecent exposure uh, portion, I think it makes a lot of sense, and I appreciate that that uh, Attorney Hyman uh, made a, a point to look at surrounding communities and what they've done in these same areas, and it, it helps us to reflect the values of the community, uh, both in Douglas County and Castle Rock specifically. Um, in terms of the uh, public nudity portion, which, as noted, does not have a Colorado State analog, um, there is a portion in Mr. Hyman's uh, proposal that does not extend uh, to what he calls legally protected speech or religious activity in a public, public place within any theater, concert hall, museum, school, or other establishment that is serving as a performance or worship venue, uh, provided the person's nudity is an inherent, inherent part of such speech or religious activity. I think that that provision um, would undermine what we're going for here, uh, because it really, you know, any theater, concert hall, museum, school, other, or other establishment could could be pretty much anywhere. So I think that uh, someone who is engaging in public nudity could claim that they are doing so under the auspices of uh, free speech or worship of some type and get away with what they're doing. So I, with the exception of uh, my recommendation that that particular provision be struck, uh, I think this is a really good proposal. Again, I appreciate town council for listening to this. When we, when we were together on June 6th, um, it was a very different tenor in the room, and I think this is the tenor that we were going for the whole time. Uh, we want to look at how we can really help our community, help the children in the community, and do so in a way that's legally supportable and uh, reflects the morality of our, of our uh, community. I welcome any questions if anyone has any. Any questions for Brad? Thank you, Brad. Mary Wilson. Mary Wilson. 
I've been listening to people here. I've, I've, I wrote a wonderful speech, but I may um, pop it in a little bit. I think the discussion isn't about indecency here. It's about uh, sexual identity and how people express themselves, um, which is a completely different topic. And we're trying to merge the two. And I don't think that's the, what should happen. Indecency is pretty straightforward. Okay, but it's how people interpret things like men wearing dresses or women wearing pants or whatever. They are confusing what it means to be indecent um, in, in a public place. So let me go back to my speech, which I'd like to thank the council for the wisdom in, schedule, in scheduling this meeting, which gave me personally time to investigate those, those who flash mouth the town council meeting in August and to see how those same people reacted to a drag performance and craft a more thoughtful response. I have to say I did not attend the performance. Um, I was out of the country at the time. Um, so if you're lucky in your life, you will meet someone who can give you honest feedback, even luckier if you're married to them. So I approached my husband with a grand plan of bringing statistics and facts to the people to point out that last month's protest was not about protecting the kids or indecency for that matter. It was a G-rated performance. It was, but it was to model righteous masculinity and strength to all in attendance, which is a direct quote from the Abel Shepherd's email to the protesters. To ask why a small contingency of religious conservatives has to use tactics like mobs and white t-shirts and hate mails to control how laws are created is wrong because democracy is not a flash mob. Good governance is not a flash mob. And most importantly, um, okay, I lost it. Um, but most importantly in all these things that was going on with indecency and trying to do a definition of it, um, I think it's treading on the rights of a parent to decide where they can take their child to see a performance or where they can go to take to see a art exhibit. Um, there's a fine line of where um, what is proposed as indecent and where um, we as a parent can decide where our children can go. Can I take my 15-year-old to see an R-rated movie? I don't know. That's my choice. It shouldn't be the choice, and I shouldn't have to run the risk of going to jail over making that decision. Um, and if able, people like Abel Shepard were actually serious about protecting the kids, we'd be looking into gun safety laws. We'd be looking into traffic laws. We'd be looking into the things that really affect kids and their health and well-being. So I got together and I was ready to present this and my husband paused and said, very simply, why? And it took me to, uh, a second to realize his point. It made me also think of a comment that was sent in an Abel Shepard email directed to the protesters. And the question was, is what if someone spits in your face? How should you respond? And call it an epiphany. I realized the mob was training for conflict while on John Anderson's ranch, that warm summer evening of the, of the 24th. They were conditioned to think that those in attendance would return their stances with vitriol and fear much the way they saw and expected people who, they, who don't support the biases to react. And this would justify their own fears. Hate 
should not be that we should not be hating that we should be supporting ourselves and I've run out of time um, I just that's really all I have to say at the moment thanks thank you Mary Sorry. Uh, next I have Pam Long Thank you for having someone from Franktown who is also a member of this community. I'm speaking to tonight as a veteran and as a mental health professional who worked in Douglas County Schools. And as such, I was also a mandatory reporter. Meaning if a student disclosed to me information that indicated abuse, neglect, trauma, I would be required to notify authorities for an investigation. So let me include some examples of what I would be required to report. If a child told me they went to a show with a performer named Shirley Delta Blow or from Blow & Co, these are sexual innuendos. If a child told me they went to adult entertainment where organizers self-described as a pimp or a whore as do founding members of the Parasol Patrol. So second, gender dysphoria is a mental illness, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM. And I urge you to ensure that children are protected from interaction from people with mental illness. In public health and mental health, we are required to follow evidence-based practices. Whether a subset of the culture agrees with this long-standing clinical diagnosis, the requirements for mandatory reporters remain. To say that a clinician following the DSM allegedly hates a person with gender dysphoria is an emotional blackmail tactic. Adults with gender dysphoria have a high rate of histories of physical and sexual abuse as children. So based on this information, I requested that the county commissioners conduct a risk assessment of a show with potential nudity and sexual gestures and mitigate the risk of exposing children to a sexually themed show and to publicly post this event was not permissible for minors under 18 years of age. This protecting both children and free speech. The county commissioners did not provide a public risk assessment and therefore liability was their risk, which is passed along to taxpayers if there's litigation. As you highlighted how important mental health is tonight with our students and police, I need you to understand that trauma security is just as important as physical security. A traumatic event in childhood stays with the person over the lifespan and often requires a lifetime of services. We can reduce those exposures with the decency code update. You have been informed that there are unmitigated risks to minors at adult entertainment shows in our community. This town is potentially liable for those unmitigated risks and passing an update to the decency code mitigates these risks, both risks to mental health and for future potential lawsuits. If you have any questions, I'm available. Thank you, Pam. <laughs> Shannon, are there any online users? Yep, go ahead. Hello? Can... Hello? Go ahead. 
Hi, my name is Chad Cox. Um, I spoke with you guys two weeks ago in regards to the Pride Fest and the events that happened. Um, thankfully, after I left, um, so not to expose my children to the hate. Um, to those people that were talking about the Pride Fest attendees that were spitting vitriol and being unwelcomed. There was a live video going the entire time by a less than um, savory person of the community that helped that helped to uh, change that narrative. Unfortunately, she spoke ill of every attendee there that identified as LGBTQA or an ally. The entire post. In addition to that post, while live, one of your sitting council members asked for your for their prayers as she was present at the Pride event currently. I asked for that council member's resignation two weeks ago, have not heard anything back, as she knowingly put my family and other families in the city and district at no at unknown danger by allowing hateful individuals to enter the arena with arms such as guns or knives also trying to make their way into a children's only area without having any children present i don't understand the need for them to be present without children on talking about public indecency i would ask how you would define indecency I'm sure that the definitions would change vastly between everyone in the room and would be affected when being placed when that decency was being placed on a woman versus a man. That's been addressed earlier on in the presentation when you talked about uh, charging a man with public indecency for being topless as opposed to a woman being topless in public. Where do, where do we draw the line? If a woman accidentally exposes her breast or her nipple while feeding her child in public, is someone going to be offended and call the police and expect her to be arrested? I certainly hope not. That's, a, that's an act, act of nature that's required. Where does this stop? Where are you going to draw the line on indecency? Indecency contact, uh, contacts, uh, the definition of indecent context pertains sexual or excretory organs or activities in a way that is patently offensive. Can I give you an example of those? Sure. How about as we're driving down the street and every single day I have to change my children's point of view so that they're not looking at the car in front of me because there's a boy with his pants down pissing on a Chevy sign or pissing on a Ford sign. That would be considered indecent context. Let's take it even further, especially in the Castle Rock community where I see this on a regular basis, almost at every stoplight. When you see F-U-C-K Biden. Now my kids, are educated enough because of the wonderful teachers in this district that they can read that word and then ask what that word means. So let me tell you what that word means, to have sex with. Are we going to pull people over because they decide to put F-U-C-K Biden on the back of their car? Or because somebody doesn't like a Chevy so they want to have a boy pulling his pants down and pissing on it? both of which meet the FCC's 
guidelines for indecent context. So once again, where do you draw the lines? Is it only on, only for things that you approve of that are indecent? So will women have to start wearing their skirts below their knees again? How about showing shoulders or elbows? Thank you, Chad. Appreciate your call. Um, anything online, Shannon? Seeing none, bring it back to town council for a possible motion and discussion. Mayor. Desi. I would like to reiterate that this topic, it is not appropriate for us to focus on one group when these issues can and will involve everyone. I move to direct the town attorney to prepare an ordinance amending Title IX of the Castle Rock Municipal Code to prohibit public indecency and decent exposure, public nudity as recommended in his September 13th memo to the town council. Second. I have uh, Desi LaFleur for a first, uh, Mayor Pochum Bracken for a second. Uh, further discussion? Tim Dietz? You, you can do a comment, yeah. Well, I, I, I personally don't think we're going after anybody in particular. I do like that it's going to be municipal, local municipal control. So I do like that aspect. We were never targeting any one group. I do agree with Mr. Burkford about uh, item number three under 9.06.003 uh, that that's something that we can look at again in the future. I think it also too was a concern of mine, a little vague, but going forward, I think this is something that council came together and we agree on. So thank you. Thank you. Ryan. Yeah, um, when we started this process, I, I really didn't think this was necessary. And, and the reason is because I just like the, the first two people who talked today that when, when something happens and it's a one-time thing and we come together and talk it out and we work on it and we assume positive intent, we assume the best in others because that's what we should do, we can usually get to a solution. And that's how most things get done in this community. Um, the fact that we all mobilized and, and turned an event into a really horrible scene for our town probably on all sides, right? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things that needed to be taken back at that event. It didn't need to happen because if we just sort of trusted in the process that it started, that people had recognized there was an issue, they come to the table and said, let's do the right thing, we would have been fine. And I think moving forward, this law is the same thing every other town in the state has. Right? This isn't something groundbreaking. This is going to change behaviors. Some of you spoke tonight about transgender and different folks. This doesn't ban being transgender in our town. This doesn't ban, you know, dressing in drag. This doesn't ban those things. The, the, this law, the, what's written and what we're talking about is don't show your, your genitals in public. Don't have sex in public. That's really what this is saying, which is a common sense law. That's why we all agree on it, right? who's probably going to get cited for this is going to be the high school kid that streaks a football game, right? Or the couple that has too many at a town event and goes under the bridge maybe and gets frisky. That's who's going to get cited for this. And maybe if there is a bad actor at the Pride Fest in the future and there's one drag you know, queen that takes it over the top, yes, that person would be cited too. But these are all little things. I just, 
you know, we, we spend all this time on this. And we create all these laws for a, a, a thing that really was not an issue. If there are some things you don't agree about and, and communities you don't agree with, which many of you are speaking about, many of you do not agree with some lifestyles in our community, we're not as a town making laws to decide people's lifestyle. We're saying it can't be, this law says don't show your genitals in public, right? Yes, that kid should not see that. But, but some of you, I don't know if you assume that this will stop people's lifestyle. That's a societal issue that we're dealing with in a lot of different ways, but this is not doing that. So, I, and I guess I have to say that for my own conscience because I'm voting yes on this because I think it's a common sense thing that we all agree on. There's not one person in this room that wants to see a couple having sex at Festival Park, right? I, but if, if some of you think that we're voting yes because we're going after a certain group, which some of you are here to speak about, um, that's a problem. All right, so that's it, thanks. Thank you. Any more discussion? Roll call vote, please. Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. Councilmember Deeks? Yes. Mayor Pertem Bracken? Yes. Mayor Gray? Aye. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Mayor, I move to direct town staff to amend town policies, permits, and agreements for the use and rental of town facilities to require compliance with town ordinances concerning public indecency, indecent exposure, public nudity, and as a condition of such, use or rental as recommended in the town attorney's September 13th memo to town council. And I'd also like to thank Mr. Hyman for the report you've prepared tonight. Second. I have a first by uh, Councilman LaFleur, second by Mayor Pro Tem Bracken. And again, I, I, I reiterate that. Uh, thank you for all your work. Um, thanks for everybody for showing up last few months and giving us your opinion. And uh, thanks for Council for, for working hard on this as well. Uh, any, other, any other discussion? Yes, Mayor. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken. Thank you, Mayor. Yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased to have the subject be behind us, um, to have this something in place that, that makes sense for um, everyone it makes makes everybody feel comfortable or more comfortable and if you're not comfortable I'm sorry we we uh, we really tried here and um, you know it, it, I think the common sense idea and logic that uh, councilmember Hollings had brought forth is um, is is unfortunate because we spent so much time on this we, we listened we heard we sat through the meetings. We sat through the beginning of the meetings, the end of the meetings, and we're gonna talk about the meeting structure right after this subject. Um, and saying the same thing over and over again perhaps doesn't really, um, doesn't really drive your point home after you've heard it for five weeks in a row with the same, same concept. Um, so, uh, we're going to talk about the, the, the subject next and the the extension of our meetings, the length of our meetings, and the structure. So uh, this is directly related to the um, the time that was put into to this subject, which which I feel was important. However, I'm happy that it's going to be behind us. Thank you. Thank you. Any further discussion? Roll call vote, please. I'm Councilmember Hollingshead. Aye. Councilmember Cavey. Yes. Councilmember LaFleur. Aye. Councilmember Brooks. Aye. Councilmember Dietz. Yes. Mayor Pro Tem Bracken. Yes. Mayor Gray. Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you. Number 18, direction discussion, uh, number 202328, uh, meeting for council meeting time protocols. David? 
Mayor and Council, pursuant to your direction, uh, staff, more specifically Kristen, put together hopefully a, a helpful memo that uh, reviews the, the, the history and some of the uh, peer community practices in regards to uh, meeting time uh, protocols. As you know, uh, town code specifies that council members continue until 9.30 p.m., at which time a majority vote can extend the meeting um, until 10 p.m., and then after that time, uh, there's a unanimous vote uh, required to uh, extend it further. Um, Kristen and others look back in regards to uh, council minutes and practices uh, for the past uh, five years or so uh, to look at motions to extend the meeting. Um, we had 11 times uh, that that was uh, done. Um, that averages about two times per year, a little bit maybe a little bit more than that, between two and three times per year. Um, council averaged, uh, um, approved eight of those 11 meeting um, extensions past uh, 10 p.m. with the average duration of extension uh, being 30 minutes. Uh, four of the meetings included extensive unscheduled public appearances on various topics and then uh, in two instances where public comment resumed at the end of the meeting, which is what uh, your current protocols uh, provide for, uh, for council meetings. Um, the current protocols date back to 2001 when we looked at trying to reconstruct as to why uh, the unanimous requirement for going past 10 o'clock is. It's not particularly clear uh, from, from, from those uh, times. You can surmise uh, as, as to why that was done at that time. Uh, we did uh, look at what other communities do um, in the area, obviously not every front range community, but I thought Kristen did a nice job of, of, of contacting and checking out um, a number of different communities. Um, most of the communities except Larkspur, Lone Tree, Parker um, have a time at which a majority of council must extend the meeting. Those times range from 9.30 to 11. Uh, there was only one community that we found that had the unanimous requirement and that was superior and that was if they wanted to extend the meeting beyond, uh, beyond midnight. So that's history as to how we got here, um, history as to how we've used it and a little bit of background as to um, uh, what other communities in the area are doing. Um, staff's here to take your direction on this. If we do want to change the protocols, it requires um, an ordinance because we have to change our town code. It's not just a, a motion like it is to change the time now. We would have to change our code if we wanted to, for example, replace the uh, unanimous requirement to a, uh, a majority uh, vote as well. And, you know, I've been putting together um, town council, city commission um, agendas for I don't know, 25 years. I didn't do it at first when I started in my previous jurisdiction. And it's it's a guess as to what time uh, we will get to certain items. And, and uh, we, we try and structure it so that um, uh, the public gets an opportunity to participate. Um, and we joked a little bit about when we could solve this problem by starting our meetings at one o'clock in the afternoon. That wouldn't work for a lot of people's work schedules. Just as importantly, it wouldn't work for citizen participation. We have evening, meeting, evening meetings to ensure that uh, a maximum citizen participation um, is allowed. Um, and then we also try and structure them so that um, uh, the meetings don't last too long. Your meeting on October the 3rd is when I'm gonna introduce the town budget, which is a major item. And then we're also gonna hear from all of the service contract providers. This is the one time 
during the year that we give them an opportunity to make a presentation for their, um, their, their budget requests. And that usually takes just those service contract presentations will take over an hour, hour and 15 minutes, and that's not including time. My point being is, is that we try and structure these things so that they don't um, exacerbate long meetings, but it is very much an art. It is not a, it's not a science. And so if we have too lengthy of meetings, I'm partially to blame because I'm the one by town law that's required to put the, uh, put the agenda together. So with that as background, uh, we're happy to take any direction that you want to give us. Thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, questions? Mayor Joe Pebberts and Racken. Are we in question phase? We're in question phase. I don't have any questions. <laughs> any questions for David? So can we, is it possible for us to just like vote to extend at 10, like just one time to vote? Like why do, like is it necessary that we the, vote the, multiple times? The code requires a unanimous vote, that means all council members present, to approve extending the meeting beyond 10 p.m. So if you want to change that requirement, you have to change the code, which takes four votes to change the code. So it always just seems silly that we do it at 9.30 on nights that we are running long, then we have to do it again 30 minutes later. It just changed the code. <laughs> That would, yeah. Yeah, that would sound like a motion, but yeah, did you, yeah. You, all, you all decide that. We will be here when you and want us here. make it majority. It just doesn't make sense. On schedule it till 10 then, Dave. Well, 9.30 is the, 9.30 is the, the first is vote. just a simple majority, but unanimous at 10 o'clock, yeah. so the differentiator. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess we're still in question phase. We're still phase. in question phase. Okay. Uh, I will okay. hold my questions. So a question, just, just for clarification, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so the unscheduled public comment at the end of the meeting is not limited to half an hour. No, I know that. No, but we're just saying oh, the, the, the initial public comment runs for a continuous 30 minutes. Yes. Unscheduled public comments. They're allowed um, three minutes to speak per person. Right. And then what we have is if, the, if council um, still has time, and there's not a, if not everyone that speaks for unscheduled public appearances, they can then come at the and speak at the end of the meeting. So, so, but it's not limited. The end of the meeting, correct, is not limited to half an hour. Like the front, it's, it's not limited to any time except right. the, okay. the time limits that you all have. Nine thirty, majority required to move forward. Ten o'clock, unanimous, right. required to continue on. So my 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 question can then easily become a comment later, but I think that it perhaps might be something of, of uh, consideration to say that that piece of it at the end is also, uh, coincides with the same time we have at the front end, uh, and perhaps that's a, a middle ground of, of knowing that we have 30 minutes of, of unscheduled at the front, we have 30 minutes of unscheduled at the back. I'll uh, refrain from continuing on that thought process because then that comes more towards opinion rather than discussion rather than question. Thank you. Question. But I think the point of clarification is that there's not, the, the public comment at the end is as time allows because the mayor literally reads as time's, time allows. And so what I'm saying is, it, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, the, the, the structure of the meeting is when it ends is when it ends. And, and as time allows is just that. And so we're not talking about whether public comment is appropriate or not appropriate at the end of the meeting, because it's certainly appropriate as time allows. We're trying to define what the time is. Right, and, and, and my piece would be that if um, we discuss that time limit at the end, that could also in effect 
get to that piece, right? <clears throat> that we're looking at an overall kind of timestamp on on what that what the meeting could be. David, well, just one clarification. The, the unscheduled public appearances, for example, this evening, we didn't exhaust the full 30 minutes. So we're not having any more unscheduled public comments at the end of this meeting. It's only when we have 30 minutes of unscheduled public comments, we haven't gotten to all of them, that it's eligible to have unscheduled public comments at the end of the meeting. And that hasn't happened very, much, very often either. Correct. I think just, just a couple of times in that five years right. time span. Questions and then comments from the. I'm sorry. So, um, Councilmember Cavey and then Councilmember Dietz and then Councilmember Hollingshead. To Desiree's point, to simplify this, wouldn't it be easier at 9:30 if we all just voted at that time, just as a majority, and said we're continuing the meeting until it ends. It ends. Yeah. And we don't have to do a 9.30, you know, majority and a 10 o'clock unanimous. unanimous. That's a question, yeah. Councilman, that's a question to me. That's clearly what, that's clearly what most jurisdictions do. Okay. They, they, have, they have some time limit and then it's allowed to extend by a majority vote for one, to whatever they want to conclude it at. They can either set a specific time that it concludes or they can say, let's just, con let's just continue the meeting. Again, that's how you all want to organize your meeting. You all decide that. We'll, we'll draft the ordinance accordingly. Okay. Thank you. Ryan? Oh, sorry. Tim, it's okay. I know you have Yeah, it is a question. Uh, and this goes with the majority unanimous thing. And, and, and excuse me, Mr. Town Manager, can we also eliminate unscheduled at the big end and maybe add 15 to 30 minutes at the beginning. That way there is no unscheduled at the end, give people more time at the beginning. So if there is some late nights and people gotta go, then we're done and just give them that time at the beginning. And council member, that, that's one way to organize it. The, the only comment that I have about having unscheduled public comments at the beginning is you wanna make sure that you're also allowing the people that are showing up for scheduled items that they have planned to come for a land use issue or whatever, that they're, that we're gonna be able to get to their item in a reasonable period of time as well. So if you allow unlimited unscheduled public comments at the beginning, is the, the question could be raised, is that fair to somebody that said, well, wait a minute, tonight was the night I wanted to come down and protest the gas station coming into the hood. And it's on the agenda, and then come to find out it's gonna be way later than what what it might normally look like on an agenda. Would, would we be able to say 60 minutes at the beginning, 45 minutes at the beginning, and then that's it? We would no, not make it. I'm not interested in adding that much time. We're not there yet. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just, so Again, let's you go can, back you can, to majority right. and finish. I'm just meeting. trying to give you the pros and cons. Yeah. You can organize it any way you, you want. It's just that as a, as a general practice, I think it's, I mean, I think it's wonderful that one of the few places in the, in the country you can come and speak to your elected officials. You can't do this at the General Assembly. You certainly can't do it in Washington, D.C. I think it's great. You can come and complain or talk about anything that you want. That's, that's a great thing to have. The, the, the question is, does the use of that time then start to interfere with the other business that is scheduled? And I think that's a, that's a fair comment as well. And it's not so much the staff stuff. Again, I try and organize the agenda so the staff stuff is towards the end. Um, but 
as, 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 a, as a general rule, but there's a lot of times when we've got, particularly the neighborhood land use issues where people for the first time are coming to town council and then they, they look at an agenda and say, oh, this thing, the meeting starts at six and they show up and then if they have to sit through, for example, if they sit through an hour of things that didn't have anything to do with their item, they might wonder, are we gonna to get to that item? That's the con of having too much unscheduled public comment at the beginning. But I, I don't know what that right balance is. You all kind of get a feel for it. You've been to these meetings. I'm, we're all at the same meetings, so you all, you all decide that. Ryan, question? I'm just wondering, when we have a packed house, could we, vote at the you know, beginning of the meeting, we know we got an hour and a half of public comment. We say, hey, we're gonna vote right now to extend the meeting that will include up to 30 more minutes of public comment at the end. But kind of cap it there in our heads if we kind of. Well, yeah, but I mean like whatever we want to be. Maybe it's an hour, we you know we've got quite a few. We can see how many we've got signed up. Um, just make I want to make sure everybody understands. One of the neat things about how we organize our agendas is that under town law, I propose the agenda. You all see it. It gets published. And then one of the things that you do is that you accept the agenda. So if there's something on the agenda, you say, hey, Corliss, this, this isn't ready to go, or you want to change something, you can do it then. So, council member, to your question, can you ask for more public comment? Um, you certainly can do that. Um, if that's if that's a desire for a particular just, topic, just so people know ahead of time, because I think if we have people sit here for three hours and then we go, no, we're not going to meet. We're done, you know, which we all we've done more than once. But that's just not fair to those people who sat around and waited. Okay, I have no one to speak. If someone wishes to speak, please approach the podium and speak to your microphone. Online users may use the raise hand feature and phone and call to press star three and state your name and what resident, non-resident, or business owner. Brad. Thank you, uh, Mayor Gray and members of the council. Uh, I just wanna speak in advocacy for openness and lots of public comment in these meetings. I know that you guys make major sacrifices as part of your, your duties here as council people and I think the, the community appreciates that so much. Um, it is of critical importance, as uh, Mr. Corliss suggested by his comments a moment ago, that the, the members of the community have the opportunity to, to speak to you. We don't get to do this uh, just you know, any other way. I, I think if, if everyone who wanted to talk to you guys approached you on the street, it'd probably be overwhelming. I understand, uh, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, that, that it's a little bit overwhelming uh, to have as much communication about about uh, the issues that we as we might have on certain occasions, but I think those are important discussions. And and if we have a lot of communication about the issues, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's something in 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 uh, I think we should be regarded as a good thing. I also want to point out that there were two people who testified tonight on the issue that I think gives rise to the discussion now on how this might all go and whether there'll be as much. Uh, uh, communication and, and um, public testimony and unscheduled testimony as, as there has been in the past. Uh, but we had two people who spoke tonight and their relationship uh, was a beautiful thing and it rose, it, it grew out of something that I think we all would have liked to have been different and I, I referred to it in my testimony earlier, namely the June 6th uh, town council meeting where there was a lot of acrimony and, and uh, you know, but the discussion and that we had as much discussion as we did, I think gave uh, opportunity for there to be something really productive that, that can come out of uh, something that 
maybe isn't isn't uh, ideal, at least in many of our opinions. So I want to thank you guys for listening to us. You guys have a history of listening to us, and I hope, and I didn't hear, I, I have to apologize, I didn't hear all the discussion on this point, but I hope that, that you keep as much uh, time and, and opportunity available for public comment as there has been in the past. I understand that it may shift around to, to accommodate the needs of the town council and of the people who are here, but uh, I hope that we keep a lot of discussion and there's a lot of discussion encouraged and when there's a big topic as, as uh, um, Mr. Hollings had indicated, having the opportunity at the end and having the, uh, having the opportunity to extend the meeting uh, for periods of time to accommodate that, I think just really speaks highly of you guys. And it really, it showed on, on June 6th and, and we appreciate that opportunity to speak to you. So thank you so much for everything that you guys do. Thank you, Brad. Upon further reflection, I'm just wondering, are we allowed to say, you know, the, the public can speak for three minutes, but attorneys can only speak for 30 seconds? <laughs> yes, sir. Any further public comment? Go ahead, Dana. Thank you for addressing this issue. Um, I did send an email to everyone on town council on August uh, 26th. I never heard um, if anyone received that email, so I'll read part of it to you. Um, because the third part of the email was that I wanted you to address the way in which you call citizens to speak. Um, and some of it also referred to um, the unanimous vote, how if one town council member um, does not want it extended, then we have, we citizens who have wanted to speak have waited for hours um, in vain. Um, I appreciate all of you allowing us to come forward and speak to you. That is part of your job, it's your commitment to the public as outlined on the Town of Castle Rock website. Once elected, each council member takes an oath of office. It's an official statement of a commitment they made when they started their journey to election day. It's commitment to public service at the local level, listening to residents and business owners and studying research so that they can make big decisions that impact a community they care deeply about. And so though most of the time I believe that is done, this says last Tuesday was an exception. That was the um, meeting that I was referring to when Mr. Bracken abruptly voted to adjourn the meeting even after the other council members voted to extend, knowing there were still residents in the room that had not been heard. I understand you have late nights, but so do we. I've been at work all day too, and I came to the meeting prepared. In fact, I'd also like to speak about how citizens are called because that was kind of a sticking point. I had signed up online during my break at work to speak at town council meeting that night because your website makes it very clear that please sign up to speak by 1 p.m. required to the meeting, uh, prior to the meeting, not required, direct your comments to um, Mayor, so it, te it tells that you can sign up before one o'clock and you will be heard. Um, I was very confused because I wasn't called on all night even after staying to the late hour. Um, so I'd like you to look at that piece of it too. If you're going to have an opportunity for citizens to sign up online, I think they should be guaranteed to speak um, even before the people come and sign up here. I did not sign up here thinking I had already signed up. And then I was just kind of um, 
told, oh yeah, the people who sign up online never show up. Well, there I was. And how hard would it have been to call five names um, that were on that list and move on if those people were not there? So that's another thing I would like you to look at. Yes, give the people who are here time to speak, as is your job, and um, change the way citizens are called. I appreciate you very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Anybody online? No one's online. We'll bring it back to town council. Town council. Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, please. I just want to say uh, amen to the two people that preceded me. One other thing I noticed: we had a packed house. And I'm not sure it wasn't the most packed house maybe ever, except for the when there was a gun issue in the community. I think that's a good thing. There were a lot of people who came who had never been here before, and they understood what was happening, became engaged, and are very interested. I think that's a good thing. And I, and I think it's important that we those who come and stay until 10 o'clock, I know you're tired, and that's just what Dana said, but we were too. And to not have the opportunity, I was one of those who waited and then couldn't speak. Um, you're here for us. We're here for you. Uh, please keep that in mind as you make your decisions tonight. Thank you for having us and for hearing us. We're really happy at the fact that we resolved a lot of things tonight. There's more maybe that we could have had, but we made some great steps. And we didn't have sexualized behavior in front of children this year. And we're very grateful. Thanks. Thank you. Anybody else in the audience? Anybody online? Thank you, bring it back. Going once, yeah. Bring it back town council. Mayor, I'd like to motion for us to do a majority vote at 9.30 and simplify it, that's it. And we go till the meeting's done and if we have a packed house on a topic or an agenda item, then we stay and we hear it. But I think one vote at 9.30 is plenty. We don't need to keep going back to it. And uh, if simple majority says cool, then we stay. So majority, correct? Not UNAS. I'll second that. I, I, I don't. I don't think that that covers the, the issue, though. Um, in in with, with respect, because just give me a second. I got a first from uh, Councilman Floor, second from Councilmember Dietz. Go ahead. No, yeah, I don't think it covers the issue because if if you do a simple majority and then you vote to extend. Um, I think I think what the intent is that is that to handle regular business like when we were we spent five five meetings in a row talking about the same subject with the same comments and it impeded on our regular business to get our regular stuff done it, it, it did it, it unequivocally did and we have stuff to do here and hearing the same comments over and over again for five weeks in a row was affecting our job and how we're doing it, period. It did. So it, what I'm saying is if you, if you go with, with Councilmember LaFour's extension, it, it doesn't actually cover because then we can keep going until no time limit until, until 12 o'clock at night. Until, all business is done. So what I would prefer to, to, to have in place is, is with regular business, 
And 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 again, this doesn't this doesn't shorten the, the public comment if we have time outside of what we're here to do, and hear the people at the same time. It doesn't it doesn't limit them any more than what the guardrails that are in place right now, because we have a 9:30 uh, majority and a unanimous at 10 o'clock. If we can't fit it within that time frame, then then we are either mismanaging our, our, our time for our regular business or the, uh, or, or the, or the subjects that are, that are at hand are not getting addressed and we're running out of time to, to do actually what we're voted to do. And so yes, hearing to people is one portion of it, but also voting and approving projects, hearing our department heads and approving their projects and getting all the regular things that we're here to do is our job. And so when that pulls in front of it, um, yeah, of course, we were elected. So let's, let's get it done within, within the time frame that we have set. We already have the guardrails on it. So what I think we should do is keep the same structures in place for the, for the uh, 10 o'clock unanimous vote with the ability to extend if we have not, if we have not covered our regular agenda. Okay. And then, so that, that, that's where I'm at with it. Okay. Um, I'm going to speak in favor, and then Tim Dietz, and then Laura Cavey. I, I speak in favor of the, of the um, proposed motion, uh, keeping the 30 minutes um, before and then the, the time extended afterwards. Um, I think that, that we, we can keep on schedule like we've been, been trying to do. Um, and then also it still gives our, our citizens uh, time to speak after we complete our meeting. I think so. Is that in perpetuity? Like yep. they can they can talk for as long as they want? Yes. Because we haven't had we haven't had. I think that's we, ridiculous. We haven't had meetings go. We have we haven't had more than I don't know forty five fifty minutes ever in four and a half years. So that that takes you got the thirty minutes, and then we have afterwards. I mean, if they get the random night that gets more than that, that's fine. It ha I mean, again. Even that one night that we um, didn't extend the meeting, I think there was only two or three people who missed out. And so it would have been 12, 12 more minutes or, or nine more minutes, yeah, depending on. True. And so I just think that for the random act that happens once in a while, it hasn't happened in four and a half years uh, that I've been on, on council. Um, and so I, I speak in favor of Tim Dietz. I just would like to reiterate uh, great sentiments. I believe in the majority versus unanimous because at least we can have discussion on the who, what, and where's. Um, I like the fact that kids keep the 30 minutes and 30 minutes before and after, but it's the majority that should decide this. So I, I, I know that I'm here for two council meetings a month and I don't care I'm here if I'm here until the chickens roost the next morning. I will be tired, oh well. So I'm in favor of it too, thank you. Laura Cavey. I'm also in favor of it. I've seen actually some good things come out of this, particularly tonight, Anya and Jay, Jay sorry. You know, you all, <laughs> apologies. Um, 
you know, you guys ended up having a conversation and at least coming to a point where, you know, you can agree on some things. I think this is your time. We work for you. Um, I don't ever want to stifle anybody's comments. Anybody is welcome to come up here and have a comment on whatever the subject is before or after the meeting. And as Tim said, if, if we're here till midnight, we're here till midnight, so thank you. Um, just real, real fast, I want to say something, I'll get Max, but so also, um, in the past, we have had um, council members who have to leave for an appointment or like that, or something like that, and that is absolutely fine as well. I, I, think, I don't think that any of us should question each other if somebody has to leave for an appointment or early flight or whatever it is. Um, one of our, our, our council members in the past, Jason Bauer, used to do uh, night gigs in Denver, um, um, session meetings at like midnight, and so he would respectfully leave, and I think we all respected that. So I just wanted to say that real fast. Max Brooks. Uh, I appreciate the motion as uh, as it's been made uh, because also I believe that the guardrail, speaking of guardrails in front of only half an hour, I think that's really key to have that limit of half an hour of public uh, or unscheduled public appearance then because it allows us to quickly be able to get to the town business because there's times where I think a lot of these meetings have gone long because we kind of ran into a weird little scheduling thing where we had a couple of months with only one meeting. Um, I think that's rare and I think that probably pushed things longer than anything because we got a lot of agenda items. By having that kind of guardrail of that half hour in front, it allows us to get to town business. Um, it does bother me to be able to extend it at the end to be able to make sure that everybody is uh, is heard because I think that piece of it's very important so good motion thank you I'm in favor any further discussion roll call vote please councilmember Hollingshead aye councilmember Cavey yes councilmember LaFleur aye councilmember Brooks aye councilmember Dietz yes mayor Pertem Bracken yes mayor Gray yes motion passes unanimously thank you the time is now 8.32. I'll accept the motion to adjourn the meeting. So moved. Second. I have a first by Mayor Pro Bracken and a second by uh, Councilmember LaFleur. Any further discussion? Good work tonight, guys. Roll call vote. Um, Councilmember Hollingshead? Aye. Councilmember Cavey? Yes. Councilmember LaFleur? Aye. Councilmember Brooks? Aye. You were testing me, huh? Yes, yes. Councilmember D. Yes. Mayor Pretend Bracken. Yes. Mayor Gray. Yes. Motion passes unanimously. Thank you, thank you guys. Thank you. 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 Thank you